What's better than this? Guys, being dudes here on the Draft Dudes podcast presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this Monday edition of the show. Draft Dudes is brought to you by Built Bar. Remember, promo code Locked On gets you 10 bucks off your first order at BuiltBar.Kyle.com. Kyle, happy Monday. Happy Monday. I just had a Bill Bar for breakfast, and I'm ready to rumble. Little tease. We had some good show prep meeting meetings here recently to, to plan did. our summer content in folks. You're not going to want to miss it. We're going strong through the summer. We have great ideas, so make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. Yeah, there, uh, there may be some really great opportunities for you guys to engage with us during the show. And that's all we'll say. I don't know. I don't know. Did you see this uh, this Big Ten Zoom meeting thing that blew up yesterday? I sure, I sure did not. Oh, you did not? No. Uh, her name is Annie Agar. She is a sports reporter at Wood TV 8, I guess. It's an account suspended, so I don't know <laughs> where that is. <laughs> uh, but she made a TikTok. Uh, pretending to be all the Big Ten schools on a Zoom call. And like she wears like the shirt of the school when she's playing that shirt. I saw this come across the tie line. It was not interesting enough for me to click it, though. It was, it's pretty funny. Okay. Because she plays into the stereotypes of all the Big Ten schools, but you're not a Big Ten guy. So, like, oh, yeah, I wouldn't have appreciated it. Yeah. You know, yeah. But it, it, I would highly recommend uh, Annie Agar. If you guys are Big Ten people like myself, check it out. It's pretty amusing. I will say this about TikTok, don't have it and have never been on it, but I don't feel like I need to because all of the good TikToks put put on Twitter. So there's no reason for me to get a, right. a specific <laughs> TikTok account. I'm already seeing what I care about. Getting on TikTok uh, is only relevant if you are a TikTok content creator, which maybe, we are not. Maybe we'll laugh at ourselves and realize in nine months from now that we are TikTokers. Is that what they call themselves? I don't know, dude. I don't know. I'm going to get myself in trouble. So we got a new show concept here and uh, we've had some fun over the last few weeks, like getting to everyone's team. And so across the course of this week, we're going to get to everyone's team by evaluating the, uh, what are we calling this? The hot seat. Go ahead. The 2020 head coach hot seat extravaganza. Yeah. So we're going to go coach by coach here and, and evaluate the warmness of their seat because we know the NFL head coaching carousel spins and it spins hard every single year. A lot of these coaches right now that we're going to talk about, they're going to be canned. And so we're going to talk about their outlooks heading into the season one by one. Of course, takes on takes tomorrow, but uh, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we'll be focusing on eight coaches at a time. Okay, so uh, to your point, coaches that have the NFL coaching turnover. We saw a bunch of head coaches over the course of the past two years. Joe, how many... NFL head coaches have been at their current position since prior to the 2016 season. Prior to 2016? Uh, what, maybe eight or ten? Five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine. Okay. So you're right on the money. Congrats for that, by the Thank way. Thank you. Thank you. So nine 
have been in place since prior to the 2016 season. Now compare that to how many brand new head coaches did we get this year? Five? Six? Six? Five. How many head coaches did we get last year? Seven. Okay. Yeah. So there you go. I've the year before that, unless someone's been fired, it's possible. Very well possible. Yeah. It's uh, you start getting three years back. Odds are somebody lost. Their well, I mean game, like so. Steve Wilkes, right? So like, yeah, yeah. Yep. There you go. Good example. Is Vance Joseph in there too? Oh, uh, he's having the time. 2018 of his life. hire. He was As, 2018. No, yeah. it was 2017 hire. 17 defensive coordinator for the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah. Thought I had one. Speaking of the Arizona Cardinals, they're first on the list today, Kyle. Yeah, it, that is very true. So we're going to we're going to keep you guys on your toes. We don't want to tip off uh going by division because we want you guys to stay engaged and hanging on our every word. Like I hang on the moments of my day when I get to open a built bar. So Cliff Kingsbury in year 1, he goes 5-10 and 1 with the uh Arizona Cardinals and the record's not impressive, but I think the growth of the football team was in, in mm-hmm. the, the strides that Kyler Murray made. And man, like you, you, I think you got the experience of this firsthand when you solicited like some feedback from Twitter oh, on what like what hell, young, man. what young quarterback you would want, not named Patrick Murray, Patrick Mahomes to run your franchise or take over. And like, you got a lot of Kyler Murray in that discussion. I got more Kyler Murray than I got Lamar Jackson. Really? So. I did this piece of content over the weekend. I said, if you could start your NFL franchise with any quarterback not named Patrick Mahomes, who would it be? And the assertion there is you're starting your franchise with them, meaning it's not a one-and-done proposition. So like Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger, those guys don't make a lot of sense. Aaron Rodgers, they're not going to be around a really long time. For me, my short list was three guys long. It was Russ Wilson, Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson. I picked Deshaun Watson because in six or seven years, he's going to be the age that Russell Wilson is now. So that was the big selling point for me and Mm -hmm. the clutchness of both of those guys. Uh, Kyler got more public support than Lamar Jackson seemed to, which was mind boggling to me. Yeah. Still an exciting. Sign me up. Sign me up. Sign me up. I won won Kyler. And it's not fair. Like, Kyler Murray in his own right is a very exciting young quarterback in football, but I, I would, I mean, I would go with the, a little bit more proven commodity, but I think he's got a lot of potential and, and uh, you know, he's got new Hopkins now in, in his disposal. I think the offensive line's a little bit better, a full year with Kenyon Drake. Hopefully the defense got better, right? Isaiah Simmons in the building. They made a, yeah, with uh, the investments they made. It should be better. Jordan Phillips is there. Um, oh, Deont- uh, okay. Campbell. Listen, I mean, look, they made they 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 invested some money there, so and they've got they got future Hall of Famer Chandler Jones, Kyle. Let's go. Yeah, uh, look, Cliff Cliff's seat is not even close to getting warm at all. I think he's ice cold. You think it's ice cold? Yeah. What would so what would it? I guess the way the way to look at that is what would have to happen with the Cardinals this year for Cliff Kingsbury to be fired by the end of it or at the end of it. If Kyler regresses and they go two and 14, you don't think there's a chance he gets fired? I don't because then they, I mean, like Bidwell is going to be paying three head coaches for like three seasons. All right. Yeah, I'm in. That's, that was the <laughs> selling point I needed. That's fine. He's not doing that, right? They have to stick no. to something at some point here. They've had some massive turnaround, turnover here. So I don't think right. he's going anywhere. I would have, I would have, I would have only considered lukewarm other than ice cold, but yeah. that's a great point and you've sold me. Yeah. So now Atlanta Falcons, Dan Quinn. Yeah. So 
I know that the big thing with Dan Quinn has been seven to nine over the last two seasons, and he started hot, right? Eight and eight year one, 11 and five, and the Super Bowl loss in 2016, and then back to the playoffs in 2017 with a 10 and six record. They won a playoff game. And it's been seven to nine, seven to nine. Injuries in 2018 crushed the team. And then last year, they started one and seven, and then they finished seven and nine. So a nice little turnaround there for Dan Quinn and, and the Atlanta Falcons. And I think that, I think that his, I don't think he's like sizzling. And I did an article recently about the three coaches with the hottest seats. And I think most articles that you would read right now would have Dan Quinn high in that list. I don't think he's quite sizzling in my view because he did have that turnaround. I do think that Arthur Blank uh, values continuity, right? I mean, Thomas Dimitrov feels like he's been there forever. And they're going to be in a tough situation in this division because I think they're the third best team. But I still think they can challenge for eight to 10 wins. And I don't know that it's like a foregone conclusion that Dan Quinn has to go to the playoffs this year to save his job. Okay, so I have the stat here. Okay. I have the stat that's going to tell you why the Falcons started the year one and seven and why they finished the year seven and nine. Okay. In the Falcons' first nine games, how many turnovers did they force? I'm guessing like two. Four and three of them came in one game, right. week two, which was their only win 24 20 against the Philadelphia Eagles. So, if you admit that game, which they won, their seven consecutive losses to start the season, they had one turnover. You know how many turnovers they had in the final seven games of the season? I'll say 12 of 12. They had 16. Yeah, turn. Flip switch. And that's because he gave uh, play calling duties to Raheem Morris, right? That was like a big thing that happened there. Yeah. When did that, did that happen on the bye week? I think so. It was like, that was the, one of the big turnarounds with that team. They were one and seven going into the bye. They won the following week without forcing a turnover, but only allowing 52 rushing yards to the saints in a 29, 26, nine. Remember we were in Tuscaloosa for that game, watching that game on TV. We said, what bizarro freaking world are we in? that the Falcons are spanking the pants off the Saints yeah. in New Orleans. Yeah. yeah. That was a big moment when Raheem Morris took over play calling duties on defense. Keep with it, brother. <laughs> I, and that was the report came out on November 11th. Raheem Morris and Jeff Ulbrich split defensive play calling duties against the Saints. Yeah. Okay. So, so there, there you go. go. So that was a big catalyst that helped the defense play much, much, much better and ultimately resulted in a respectable season for the Atlanta Falcons. I feel like it's important at this point to tell everyone the tiers that we have. We have yeah, ice we cold, do. ice cold, lukewarm, toasty, and sizzling hot. So This is a toasty seat. I feel like toasty's fine, but I, I what I wanted to do, one of my main objectives going into this conversation was to make it like it's not sizzling. Like yeah, maybe and I disagree. Take. All right, I agree. I don't, I don't disagree is what I meant to say. Yeah. It's warm. If they go seven and nine again or worse. Yeah. Dan's probably in trouble. If they go nine and seven, finish third in the division and miss the playoffs, is he safe? I would say yes, because their team, they, they showed improvement in the win column. Yeah. But I think this team has uh, the, I don't want to make assumptions about the saints and bucks being the class of the division, but I feel like, Atlanta's like that third team. 
from a talent perspective, they are the third team in the division. Yeah. Yes. Man, they got some really slow quarterbacks in this division, man. <laughs> Could you? I want to be a pass rusher in this division, man. Yeah. How do you think uh, Shaq Barrett racks up twenty-two freaking sacks or whatever it was? Twenty-one and a half. <laughs> Bridgewater, Breeze, got Brady, and Ryan. Back there. <laughs> you can't get slower than that, man. Holy smokes! Oh, that's going to be a study we're going to have to do. Everybody's everybody's starting quarterbacks forty time. Oh, it's not going to get worse than that. Division. Lock it in. That's yeah. that is as bad as it gets. <laughs> John Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, John Harbaugh. What a friggin' oh, stud. Let's let's not make this harder than it has to be, right? This is as ice cold as ice cold gets. Yeah, but to remember the conversations we had in 2017, Kyle? Do you remember them? Yeah, because Baltimore kept giving him one year contract extensions. People were calling for this man's job, and I'm like, are are we kidding? Are we kidding? I love how he's adapted. He's been a wonderful adapter as a head coach throughout the course of his tenure. He's been unbelievably successful, right? I mean, obviously Super Bowl win, eight playoff berths, um, four NFC North championships, right? The la- including the last two. Mm-hmm. I love when a coach can win with like different rosters, and he's he's done that and different right? styles, right? Yeah. Stud. 2019 AP Coach of the Year. First in almost every significant offensive category this past year. Uh, by the way, uh, John Harbaugh has one career losing season as in 12 years as a head coach. <laughs> this man went 11 and 5, 9 and 7, 12 and 4, 12 and 4, 10 and 6, 8 and 8, 10 and 6, 5 and 11, 8 and 8, 9 and 7, 10 and 6, 14 and 2. Stud. No questions asked. All right, well, that's, I feel really good that you and I were on the right side of history when there was that <laughs> speculation around John Harbaugh. We said you would have 31 other approximately 30 to 31 other teams lining up to hire John Harbaugh. Yeah. I, if the Ravens would have been foolish enough to let him walk back then. Which was a weird moment in our history. And yes, it does feel good to be on that. It's a pretty simple conversation, but. You know, it's also simple, Kyle, is the decision to eat a Bilt Bar at least mm. once a day. Let me just mm-hmm. tell you right now, this is the best tasting protein bar you're ever going to have. They're made with real chocolate. They have a wonderful variety of flavors. Uh, I think my top three right now are the peanut butter brownie, the raspberry chocolate, and oh, uh, the chocolate cookie dough that just uh, re-released here recently. So, uh, you got to see, I mean, they got like 20 different flavors. I haven't had one that I, that I haven't liked even the coconut flavors. And I'm not even a coconut guy, but they've got German chocolate cake and the coconut almond. They're all delicious. The flavor variety is unbelievable. The nutrition facts are unbelievable. Amazing combination of low calorie, high protein, low sugar. There's no crazy additives. They are legit healthy for you. You compare these things to other popular protein bars. It's half the calories, seven times fewer carbs, seven times fewer sugar grams, and more protein. Kyle and I are talking these things up, and that's because they are delicious. Like, legitimately, the stuff we say on this podcast, we mean. Kyle and I literally texted back and forth about Bilt Bars this weekend because he got a new shipment in, and nobody's paying us for that, all right? We love this product. You've got to find out what the fuss is all about. You go to BiltBar.com. Use our promo code LOCKDOWN. You get 10 bucks off your first order uh, let Kyle know that you did it. Kyle and I let us know that you made the order. Tell us what your favorite flavors are. I don't think you'll be disappointed. Again, BuiltBar.com, promo code locked on for 10 bucks off your first order.
All right, Kyle Krabs, next up. No, 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 no. We're not going to skip over Bilt Bar like that. Black Cherry's my new jam. It's delicious. You've had the Black Cherry? I didn't know yeah. if you had that one yet. Yeah, my my latest order included uh, a six <laughs> a six bar. You know, you do like uh, the three different flavors for an 18-pack. Yeah, the six 18 blend. Yeah. yeah, so my last order was Black Cherry, Vanilla, and German Chocolate Cake. And I didn't know you had black cherry. That makes me very happy. Oh, uh, very! It's it makes me very happy to eat them. So mm, yummy. Okay, now let's talk about your Sean McDermott. Yeah, my Sean McDermott. Um, three seasons in Buffalo, two playoff appearances, which uh, was seventeen years before the Bills. It's the new gold standard. It is weird, man. Um, yeah, he's been awesome, right? I mean, like after years of bad coaching hires, I mean, Sean really came in and. Uh, turn things around. I mean, culture standpoint, uh, it seems had some success. And I think that they're generally viewed at as a, like a well-respected, well-run football team, which has not been the case for a long time. And so um, I, I don't think this is hard. I mean, he's been to the playoffs with two different quarterbacks in three years. It's ice cold, man. Nothing's happening with Sean McDermott. Yeah. McDermott has done a really nice job because he has input on personnel too he doesn't pick the players right but they have a very collaborative effort there with Brandon Bean and him and that that connection and and what they've been able to do uh to get such a deep roster I you know you look across the roster and you know whether it's the questions of who's the second cornerback long term and you know making sure Josh Allen is the long-term answer this is a team that should win 10 football games again next year just looking at the player development that they've had from their young core pieces. They have a quarterback on a rookie contract. Uh, They have found ways to maximize Josh Allen's athleticism uh, and his kind of create him into being a timing style passer in the quick game. Right. So Mm -hmm. like for them to make those kinds of, of jumps with player development, with the young talent that they have, and they had a lot of assets, uh, they have done an excellent job in building this thing up. So yes, I agree with you in that his hand in helping Brandon Bede guide and build the roster. And then his job coaching this team to be a real hard nosed team and a team that, you know, you're going to get challenged physically against with some speed components now here too in the skill positions. He's not going anywhere. One interesting note here that I'll bring up is, you know, the Bills went <clears throat> playoffs their first year together, you know, and then it was a six and 10 year. And I give Brandon Bean a lot of credit for sticking with the this process that he envisioned and, and what it was going to take to get, you know, some bad salaries off the books and really be clean in that department. Like, and he said it recently, he's like, you know, kind of, kind of what made 2018 difficult when they were six and 10 and had over 50 million in dead money was like that they did go to the playoffs in year one. He said, we didn't expect that. And that made it, you know, I think a lot of people would have been like, oh, wow, we've got something here. Let's continue to try to like make this work. And I think that's where teams get in trouble a lot of times, like that they, they see that something temporarily succeeded and they try to like extend a life cycle that just isn't there. And they still went through with their process. They, they, they took their medicine in 18 with the dead money. And, you know, coming out of that, a 10 and six season for the first time in 99 went to the playoffs and there's a lot of hope for what they can be this year. So I think as a, as a nugget here, because that six and 10 is a blemish, if you will, on McDermott's record in year two, but I do think that it's a testament to them sticking with their plan and and their vision for long-term success. 
Who do you who are you hoping Buffalo draws, assuming they make the playoffs in the first round this year? Because like you guys have got to be ravenous for a uh, playoff win. Yeah. So I mean, I, I you look at the class of the AFC. You think about Baltimore and Kansas City, right? And and the Bills play Baltimore tough as hell, man. Um, I think Lamar probably had his worst game of the season against the Bills. And the Bills didn't get a chance to play Mahomes last year. Now, they play Mahomes in the regular season this year, Thursday night in Buffalo, primetime game. I guess if you have to play the Chiefs, you might as well do it on a short week at your place, right? I guess that's probably helpful. So I want to see the Bills' defense against Mahomes. That's something that interests me, but maybe not in the playoffs. So Yeah, <laughs> for sure not in the playoffs. So if the Bills win the AFC East, then they're going to get a home playoff game against a wild card team. So you're not you're probably not playing the Ravens or the Chiefs, so you get a chance to play like – a team like Tennessee or Houston or uh, Denver, the Raiders, New England, I guess. I don't know. Like, I guess just not Baltimore or Kansas City. <laughs> okay, fair At enough. At the same time, I sort of like, I don't know, I, the Bills defense gives me like some hope against those really good quarterbacks. But we'll see what happens when they face Mahomes this year in the regular season. Carolina Panthers, Matt Rule. Oh, he's got a seven-year deal. He's never coached seven a Seven-year deal, never coached a game. But – He's got a seven-year deal, and it's year one. Yeah. You don't give out a seven-year deal to fire a guy after one year in a rebuilding effort, no matter how bad it gets. Right? I don't think so. I I was sitting here trying to say, okay, like, how could we possibly get to a (laughs) point where, like, Tepper, because Tepper's such an aggressive mentality as as a businessman, how do we get to that point where he's like, no, rule you're not the guy you're out you know you go one and 15 you give me the cam cameron special you're out of here (laughs) but i can't sit not not with the money and the the contract duration that he gave him i think there's no chance this is one and done seven years 62 million dollars for a guy who coached like three years at temple three at baylor here's that here's the, the 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 moon to come coach our football team. Yeah. He, no I, way. Yeah. He's, he's going to be locked in. And I think here's the thing. Like I think expectations are very low for year one in Carolina. And, and I think Matt rule will point to year one with temple year one with Baylor. Right. I mean, and then right. I'll it think, gets, it gets worse before it gets better, but right. it'll so get better. It, you, he would have to do like, he would have to have such irreconcilable, like leadership strategies and habits as a human being, which he's known for, having great act attributes in those com- com- departments, right? For him to be fired after one year. Right. There's ice no cold. Way. Ice. Ice cold. cold. Locking it. So <laughs> uh, three of our first, four of our first five ice cold seats. Correct. It's going to get a little warmer in here right now, though. Well, a <laughs> little bit. Chicago Bears, Matt Nagy. Two years ago, team went 12-4. and four. He was the AP coach of the year. Uh, they've made the playoffs in 2018. Uh, pretty impressive what he was able to do, uh, Matt Nagy, when you consider uh, the two seasons prior to Nagy getting there, the team had scored 279 and 264 points. And then all of a sudden they score 421 points as a 12-4 and NFC North champion. Uh, cruel twist of fate. They had to play in the wild card round as a 12-4 and division champion. And they lost. It's a field goal. 
and then they scored 280 points again this past oh, year. Was that how, I was waiting for it. How big was that regression to 19? It was that big, yep. huh? Yep. It was 139 eight, points. I'm sorry, 141 points. Yeah, They were still late in eight, but they needed some late season push to get there. What's uh, what's different about this offense that's going to get it back on track uh, this season? I mean, you're hoping Mitch Trubisky with a non-separated shoulder gets better. The play calling has to be better. They got so far away from what Trubisky does well in points of last year. They they hardly ran him at all. And some of that, I assume, comes back to the shoulder issue. Right. But even like moving the pocket in rollouts and throwing on the run and letting Mitch be a natural athlete in the backfield to you know, force pass rushers to miss and get outside and, and strain and stretch defenses. He had 48 carries last year. Yeah. Uh, Kyle, they were very deliberate about getting some tight ends in the building. Their first draft pick, Cole Komet, they gave big money to Jimmy Graham. They let go with Trey Burton. This is something that was really important to them. They feel like 12 personnel potentially is going to be a big reason why things will improve. I know Nick Foles is in the building too. So, I mean, like Mitch has had, Mitch has his most legitimate competition that he's ever had. I don't know. If I was going to give Mitch competition, I would have given him somebody who might actually push him for that spot. This felt, this felt like we're going to get you some competition, but it's a straw man to me. Right. They could have given, they could have got Andy Dalton potentially Cam Newton still available. They could have signed Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota, Mariota went great. Why wouldn't they get Mariota? Right. Man, can we appreciate what Tariq Cohen did last year? Let's appreciate it. 64 carries for 213 yards, so 3.3 yards per carry. <laughs> You're stupid. I'm like, what are you going to go with here? That's what And then, that's not even the worst part, Joe. He had 79 receptions for 456 yards. Wait a minute. Yes. Wait a minute. Yes. <laughs> What was this? 70, 79 receptions for 456 yards for a grand total of 5.8 yards per catch. So what were his touches in yards? 143 touches, 669 yards from scrimmage. For a scat back? For a scat back, 4.7 yards per touch. Oh, boy. And he had more, he had more catches than carries last year. Kyle, specialization increases probability and predictability. We know what Tariq Cohen's going to do when he's in the football game. Right. They're going to throw him the ball behind the line of scrimmage and expect him to pull a rabbit out of his ass. I didn't really how about we don't How about we don't do that next year? Legitimately corny numbers. I mean, oh, that's so weird. That's like the Adam Gase Jarvis Landry role, right? where Landry's targeted 150 times, he catches 116 balls, and he's got 880 yards. It's like, stop running your offense eight yards short of the sticks. So the the hot seat of, of Matt Nagy, 12 and 4, finished first in the division, 8 and 8, the, the offense really fluttered on him. 
defense pretty strong. Year two with Chuck Pagano. They've got some – I think they've got weaknesses in their interior offensive line. I don't love what's going on um, outside of Kyle Fuller and Eddie Jackson in the secondary. Do they have but a real complimentary really... rusher to Mac? I don't know, man. Well, Robert well, they, Quinn, they, they paid they him they like paid he big, is. Big, big, it's like, what, $70 million to Robert Quinn or something like that? Big so. money. that might, honestly, that might be the best rusher he's had opposite of him. All right, so is this sizzling? I think that's a little bit much. It's, this is toasty. This is definitely toasty. But if Chicago goes 10-6 and six and Mitch Trubisky looks bad again, he's out of here. Really? Wait, if Chicago goes to 10 and 6, I would say. No, I'm sorry, no chance- 6 and 10. Six okay. And 10. <laughs> All right. All right. Now we're back. 6 yeah. and 10, Trubisky flutters and he remains committed to him to a fault? Yes. Yeah, it's going to be a problem. But this this NFC North, I, I'm a little bit out on Minnesota this year. They They had a lot of turnover, didn't they? Yeah, and their depth is just not that good. So, I mean, it's like the Packers at the top, but they showed some signs. Like, they didn't play great down the stretch last year. And Detroit? Like, this division, to me, might be the most wide open in football. That's why I, re- I refuse to write Chicago off. Yeah. Like, if you get to 10 wins, you might win this division this year. Oh, you surely have a chance. Yeah. But, and like, doesn't Chicago have, like, some weird grip over Minnesota anyway? <laughs> I don't know, dude. Hey, that, that's interesting to me. I, hold on, hold on, hold on. No, I I know this is like a a thing. Bears versus Vikings. The Bears have won the last four games. So they haven't lost them since 2018 or 2017? Minnesota last beat the Chicago Bears 23-10 to in Minnesota on December 31st, 2017. So they swept them in 18 and 19. Yes. All right. And it's been like a weird mix of like Minnesota just can't score. They scored 25 combined points against them last year and uh, 30 points against them the year before that. So they've averaged, they're averaging like less than 15 points a game against the Bears in four, their last four games. So toasty for Matt Nagy. We got two toasty and three ice colds. Yes. And it's going to stay toasty in here. Zach Taylor is our next coach. Two and 14 his first year. I, I have a, I, I, um, I, I'm often a Bengals apologist, but I will say this. And I think even the lowest of expectations for the Bengals that you may have had going into 2019, you didn't see this as like the right. worst winning percentage in football type bad. Right. You know, so this is, He's got a lot to prove, right? If this team finishes in last place in the AFC North, which is possible, right? Like the Browns would have to, we'll talk about the Browns in a second with Kevin Stefanski, but they get a new hit catch of their own. We're expecting Baltimore and Pittsburgh to be playoff contenders this year. No, absolutely. I'm not ready to put the Bengals in that bucket with a rookie quarterback no matter how good he is. By the way, that article I wrote over the weekend, Joe, I got a lot of Joe Burrows too. Yeah. Which I'm not ready to go there yet. Let's see him play in the pros first. And that's no knock against Joe Burrow. It's just a matter of you need to be able to know a guy can play at the pro level before I'm going to say I would take him over any other quarterback in the league. Yeah, Watson. 
Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair so, <sighs> what's a real? What's a realistic expectation yeah. for the Bengals this year? That was my exact question that I have. I mean, you've got a rookie quarterback. You have a very suspect offensive line, in my view. You know, your your weapons could be good, but you're counting on A.J. Green to be healthy. You're counting on, you know, John Ross to have some semblance of a contributor. You know, it's uh, you like the backfield situation there. The defense got a lot better as the season went along, and they've improved it this this offseason. I love that they've done a lot with that defense to take a little bit of the pressure off of the offense. But I think our expectations for this team is what, five, six wins, something like that? Probably. So you go from two and fourteen to five and eleven with the that resume happens, that Zach Taylor has. If that happens, it's going to come down to how does Joe Burrow play. Correct. How important is do they think Joe Burrow's trajectory and him ascending and fulfilling his potential is? How important is Zach Taylor to that? I would argue that's more important to Zach Taylor's job than 100%. than the win loss total issue. One hundred percent. Yes especially because the Bengals are committed to saying our quarterback room is good yeah. with the quarterback, like the most experienced quarterback in the room is Ryan Finley, right? Fifth round rookie. So they're uh, electing to omit the opportunity to bring in some veteran leadership. They're opting to put all of their eggs in the coaching staff basket, being the mentorship that Joe Burrow requires to play to the best of his ability. It's a lot on Joe Burrow for year one. The guy's the guy's a starter. Right. Right now. He's the unquestioned starter of the team. He's not met his teammates. So let me ask you that. Or let me ask you this. Knowing that, knowing that Zach Taylor's job security rides on Joe Burrow's performance and trajectory and development more so than the win-loss record, is this a toasty seat or is this a sizzling hot seat? I guess the way that I would answer that is by considering the organization and do we think that they're going to fire a coach after two seasons? No. Cause I mean, they've only had 10 coaches in their entire history since 1968. And granted they, they had a really nice stretch there with Marvin Lewis and Marvin Lewis had that team in a really good place for a while. No coach has ever had less than three seasons. Even Dick LeBeau, who was 12 and 33, 26 win percentage. What was his first two seasons? Dick LeBeau? Yeah. I will let you know right now. Dick LeBeau. Uh, his producer's on the gig. Yeah, he's right here. Four and nine, six and 10, two and 14. Four and nine, six and 10, two and 14. How about Dave Shula? Five seasons there was 19 hey. and 52. Hey. You lay off the Shulas. You know, those are my they- people. Dave Shula, five and eleven, three and thirteen, three and thirteen, seven and nine, one and six. Okay. Fired midseason. Yeah. Zach's fine. I would still say I would put it as toasty, though. Toasty, yeah, because there there is there the implications. Wait, you don't think this might be lukewarm? It's it's less sizzling hot and more toasty with a possibility of lukewarm, but I would still go with toasty because like if they go two and 14 again and Joe Burrow doesn't look good, like sure. They're going to like, we need a new direction because this ever, everything we have is in Joe Burrow's basket. Right. Right. This is the toughest. This is the most in between tiers we've had. Yes. 
you so, can make a you can make a reasonable case for lukewarm yeah. based on team history, but I think Zach Zach's resume, the performance under Zach last year, knowing how much is riding on Joe Burrow and how much they seem to be all in on Joe Burrow here and now, like too much of that can be detrimental to his long term development. I will give you the reluctant toasty here. Toasty. Like, all I heard was toasty. I'm good. What's next? I don't care what the context was. Uh, Stefanski, go ahead. Yeah, first-year coach with the Cleveland Browns here. Um, I mean, he has had some good moments as an offensive – I mean, last year as an offensive coordinator with the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, outside of that, he's really never had uh, a coordinator role to refer to. I mean, he was a long-term assistant, a quarterback's coach, tight ends coach, running back's coach. Assistant, he's he's worked his way up with the Vikings, um, so like to me, he's very much a, a wild card in this head coaching discussion. I mean, he seems like a sharp guy. I've enjoyed his press conferences. You know, they've had some pretty cool video series going with the Browns, and I've got a chance to look at Steve Kevin Stefanski. But I mean, of course, I'm only going to see the greatest moments of him in a team, you know, issued documentary. So I don't I, I don't feel like we have enough of a gauge here, but. You know, after going one and done with Freddie Kitchens, after, you know, kind of cleaning up their their front office a bit here, I feel like they're, I mean, he's not, he would have to really suck. And I mean, really suck for this team to go one and done with him. I think this is ice cold. Because they just, they're just coming off a one and done. And it has nothing to do with the performance of the team. There is no freaking way this team goes one and done on back-to-back years. Even the Browns cannot possibly be one and done in consecutive years with consecutive coaches. I refuse to believe it. My Kevin Stefanski hot take at this point, top three most handsome head coach in the league. Ooh. Yep. Okay, who else is on this list? Brian Flores. And Cliff? Nah. Cliff's a Cliff's a polarizing one. Yeah, he he's not he ain't in there for me. Three the top other one of the top three for me is um, Tomlin, McVeigh, McVeigh. Yeah, Tomlin's close. Matt Lafleur, handsome head coach too. Ooh, yeah. If you like bald guys, Sean McDermott. <laughs> You're dumb. I am. Uh, I'm really excited about Kevin Stefanski this year. I think a lot of the personnel that they put together makes a lot of sense. He did it quick, right? They got him all yeah. the stuff he needs. Yeah, I mean, the two tight ends and, you know, keeping Njoku and bringing in Hooper and Conklin and Wills. Yeah, the offensive tackles are right. You got Baker Mayfield. <laughs> man, like. Richard Higgins low-key big for him coming back. I'm telling yeah, you. Yeah, man. Hollywood Higgins is a stud, dude. Yeah, I, I think they'll go back to some of the 19 or the 18 stuff that worked there and Jarvis and Odell. I, it's going to be nice, I think. I just need to know what they're doing at linebacker. They don't care. Why should you care? <laughs> Phillips, Taki Taki, and Mac Wilson, they're starting linebacker. Let's go. <laughs> they, they said, we don't care. Why should you care, Kyle? I guess. They're going to go nothing but nickel. And you know what? That's really interesting because this is a very numbers and analytics and data-driven group, right? Yeah, you feel like that. So is this we going to see? We're obviously going to see three tight or three safety sets. Mm-hmm. They improved that group, that room a ton. Mm-hmm. Carl Joseph, Grant Delpit, 
They got Sandejo and Sheldrick Redwine there. Sandejo going to play a little bit low, a little bit of low safety for him. Yeah, so I, I guess, you know, Mac Wilson, you feel good about Mac Wilson. They obviously feel really good about both Taki, or at least Jacob Phillips. They drafted him in, as a top 100 pick. Taki Taki was a third round pick last year. I feel like they get just need right two of those the guys, guys to play. Yeah, right, just get two of those play. guys on the field. Yeah. You got Billings, good... Billings yeah, for your early snaps. The defensive line is pretty set. Okay. I feel a little better, bit better knowing the analytics background of some of these guys and how they're going to do it. They're going to do a ton of sub package stuff. There's no way they're going base defense. We both like Mac a, a good bit too coming out, right? He's we did. Two of his career. He did. He did. Taki Taki. I mean, I like Taki Taki too. It's saying. just, there's, there's no, it's like no they legit standout. did it, Kyle. They did it. We talk about this all the time. It's like, Oh, well, these are good players. Like we like them. Like now they're getting that chance, right? It's like right, right there. That's now go play. Yeah. Go play the year two. It's not like the rookies. Had a little time together. Man, this team had two picks in the third round and came away with Jordan Elliott and Jacob Phillips. All right, I'm done. <laughs> you're so up and down with this team. You're like, I really like Stefanski, but I'm – Yeah, it's like I want to buy in so hard. It's like, oh, well, I can't get behind this pick. But if I spin it this way, and my spin this way would be, well, they've got Billings, Richardson, and Nagajobi on the interior, so they'll be fine. I think they do need to, to figure out Olivier Vernon long-term for financial implications, but – so we go five and three today, five ice cold and three toasties. Yes. We have, when we get back to this discussion, we have some tenured guys coming up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be a, a fun. Cause I think one of those is, is getting warm too. Yeah. Two of those are, one of those is sizzling hot in my opinion, but that's for another oh, day. Sizzling hot for yeah. sure. Yes. That's for another day. So come back tomorrow's takes on takes. Submit your hot takes. Tweet them at the Joe Marino at grinding the tape. If you're a TDN premium subscriber, you're in the TDN uh, expert form. Send them to us in the takes on takes uh, Slack channel. We love hearing from all of you guys. Kyle Krause, Joe Marino. Thanks as always for listening. Draft News podcast. We'll see you all again tomorrow.